in this edition of Hoosology, Justin and Matt. Welcome back, friend of the show, Ben Lyons. Ben brings his unique perspective on a number of topics, such as how the New York Knicks will perform this season, Kevin Durant's leadership with the Nets, and his observations for the rest of the NBA. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Ben Lyons. You may have seen him on NBA TV or as recently on um, guest, as a guest host for Rich Eisen. Uh, we welcome repeat guest and friend of the show, Ben Lyons on Hoopsology. How's it going, Ben? Thanks for having me back. And uh, I won't hold it against you if you missed those performances this summer filling in for Rich when he was off in Italy. I had a blast. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me back on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming back on. And it's been a lot of news with the, the Knicks, and that's what we always like to chop it up with you first about. Um, and I just want to kind of, before we move on to like Donovan Mitchell, what went wrong there, just want to get your thoughts on the Knicks signing RJ Barrett. And just where do you see that signing? Is it a positive, negative? Is this like of a different direction for the Knicks, or do you think it's kind of par for the course in terms of their growth this coming season? Well, R.J. Barrett was born the day I graduated high school, June 14th, 2000. So I believe it's destiny. It's in <laughs> the scripture that this man will come <laughs> to New York from the north, from the great north of Canada. The Maple <laughs> Mamba will descend down into the rotten apple and be victorious. I believe in R.J. Barrett. I think he's a phenomenal young pro. It's amazing to think he's heading into year four and he'll be 23 in like nine months. It's crazy. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And, and he's had three head coaches, I think, during his short run in New York. So some continuity and stability would be nice for, for the young phenom. They got him at a sensible extension. And he's got to go out there and, and, and prove it now. I'm stoked. It's the first time they've signed a first-round draft pick since Charlie Ward. They're doing something right now. I mean, this is definitely not par for the course for what your question was. This is new territory for the Knicks. Developing yeah. young guys, I'm here for it. And do you think this is the right strategy? Because you're right. Like, you know, typically the next playbook is just, you know, sign the biggest free agent. And that didn't happen with Donovan Mitchell. And there seemed to be a lot of disappointment online. Or are you following that camp in terms of like a bummer couldn't pull in that the Knicks couldn't pull that trade off? Or is it kind of like good riddance? It's kind of the Cavs problems <laughs> with, with Donovan Mitchell. I'll ask you guys a question. Who is better, Donovan Mitchell post-Utah or Steve Francis post-Houston? This reminded me of when Steve Francis came to my New York Knicks, an all-star combo undersized guard who just – White wasn't quite as explosive, just wasn't the same in New York. Uh, I don't know if that'll be the case for Donovan. I think the Cavs are for real. They're going to be a lot of fun, a lot of great young talent on that team. And the Knicks have learned from mistakes of the past. I mean, every Knicks fan knows they gave up everything for Melo, and that ultimately hurt Melo's time in New York. He took the oldest team in the history of the sport to 54 wins when he won the scoring title, and J.R. Smith won six-man. We were, I was in the garden the night we celebrated Jason Kidd's 40th birthday. So, look, the, the Knicks uh, have learned from the mistakes of the past. And as Scott Perry said, Donovan Mitchell is not Carmelo Anthony. He's a great young player. But we all know if him and Jalen Brunson are in that backcourt, they mortgage the future. We're staring at a seven seed, a six seed, and probably out of the playoffs over the next three years. So let's not go through this movie. I have enough 
commemorative Chase Banks like playoff hats from 2011, from 2012, first round hats that I can just throw <laughs> in the trash. So I don't need any more of that. Let's not be in this middle area. Let's be on top of the mountain or at the bottom rebuilding. Hundred percent, and and I think I, I can't speak for Justin, but I, I'm Team RJ with you, Ben. I oh, me too. Yeah. I don't really see like the value in in giving all that up right now when the Knicks for the past two years or so have had some of that element of continuity continuity that you're talking about there. So I I have to get your thoughts also on Jalen Brunson thoughts about signing. Um, is there a certain like prestige that the Knicks gain from having a free agent, you know, leave Luka Doncic and, and come to New York. Um, and also your thoughts on that backcourt that you just mentioned of those two together. Well, if Jalen Brunson needs a new dentist in New York, now that he's moved from Dallas, nobody better than RJ Barrett to put him on to orthodontics <laughs> in New York City. The guy's got a phenomenal That's spine. Right. Uh, I like the addition of Jalen Brunson. Everybody goes nuts for the $100 million in today's NBA. That's not the same $100 million, right? And you got to spend the money somewhere. He's a grown-up. He's a professional. Let's see how his fashion changes. In the next four <laughs> years, that's always a thing now. We got Fashion Week coming up. That's you true. Know? That's totally let, true. Let, let's see if, if the linen gets a little crispier for Jalen Brunson <laughs> and the, the buttons come a little bit more undone as he heads out to Tau after they get a Friday night win. So that's how I, I joke, but that's the thing, right, guys, is that the, the life in New York can grab hold of guys. He grew up in New York. He grew up the son of a professional athlete. I think there's this new trend in the NBA where, where now we have so many guys who were the sons of the players we all grew up watching. Knicks have had a couple over the years, and Tim Hardaway Jr. comes to mind. But I think there's so many young pros now who grew up pros and understand that lifestyle, and he's a professional. He's not going to drop 35 and blow the doors off you every night, but just solid, consistent point guard play. This is a man who watched Frank Williams take his first shot in the NBA and hit the side of the backboard in Detroit. So, like, let's let's just have a consistent grown-up playing point guard for the New York Knicks, and then we're on our way. Ben, I want to get your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets and that drama. And basically, what do you think with this team? I'm just at a loss kind of for words. It seems – like there's some optimism, but it's kind of like we know the track records of all the players involved. Is there any hope of this team even resembling a contender? I mean, I'm not even talking about even winning uh, the title. I'm just talking about having a decent playoff run. Yeah, my no, my favorite show, my favorite TV show growing up when I was a kid was the original Beverly Hills 90210. This show was high <laughs> drama. Are you kidding me? Luke Perry playing Dylan and all that's maybe your Kevin Durant. He's like too cool for school. It's like Dylan. He's down in Baja. He's out with Mitch Kleinman on the boat somewhere. Like he's just not around, you know, um, Steve Sanders, always in trouble. Always with Mrs. Teasley, rest in peace. He's always getting into it with his parents, getting into it with Kelly. That's your Kyrie Irving, right? He's just always something right now. I joke about now. So it's a drama. It's a soap opera. It's got everything in that show. And that's what the Nets are. I love that they had as many playoff wins as the Knicks last year. That brought a big smile to my face. <laughs> and uh, yeah, where Brooklyn at? I don't know, guys. Where are they at? Are they are they at the, the, the Barclays, which is a nightclub with the lights turned on? Are they in the meditation room over there? Uh, are they drinking Armadale in the concourse? Like, what's going on, guys? Like, I, I'm all in on this Brooklyn Nets soap opera. It's the new 902 and 0. 
but what do you what do you make of Kevin Durant's like what do we when it's all said and done I think it's for me it's complicated maybe for others it's easy but I think it's really hard to really encompass Kevin Durant's NBA career so far it's just it's very confusing and at this point I don't really know he doesn't doesn't seem happy so I I almost I'm kind of rooting for his happiness more than him being like a great ball player because he just seems disgruntled in every single place he goes. I don't so know. I, saw, just, I saw an Instagram story where he was on a on a jet ski in Turks and Caicos. Well, he looked really pretty happy. Yeah, well, right I don't. Well, once we get in the training camp and him with Kyrie, I mean, you know, things might change. <laughs> He's coming up on that 34th birthday in the next two weeks too. So something tells me there'll be a party on Instagram. Sure, see, for I sure. Feel, I feel like KD is such a such a hooper that his basketball career transcends the nba he's always just been the best player on the best team and that's a real part of basketball culture whether you're playing in a high school tournament AAU tournament or just playing in the park pickup like the best player on the best team that's always a thing and he's just been that guy for as long as we've known him think about all his jerseys not just brooklyn and oklahoma and golden state the team usa and Texas, and the Drew, and the Rucker, and just anywhere on earth where the game of basketball matters, this man has touched the floor. And the ultimate hooper, I think this whole situation in Brooklyn this summer was was really unfortunate because it, it kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth when you're talking about Kevin Durant. And that's ridiculous. When a, a year ago, we were all saying best player in the world, gold medal, Olympic Durant, more gold medals than Melo. Uh, you know, but he was the best player in the world and everybody's excited for the year coming up and it just hasn't gone well in Brooklyn. And it shows when you can't force chemistry, you can't cut the line, you can't stack the deck in your favor. You got to go through it as a team, um, you know, as, as, as players, uh, you know, getting to the top of that basketball mountain. And um, I don't know, I think it's gonna be really dysfunctional in Brooklyn this year. I can't wait. And I hope he's able to stay healthy and play through it. I was just hoping he wasn't going to slip off that that jet ski down in Turks and Caicos and fall and be out till Christmas. So I'm glad, uh, glad he's healthy down there on vacation, but we want to see him on the basketball floor playing, you know, play, you know, 75 games. They call Kyrie the most skilled player on the planet. The greatest skill is availability. And if I can't consistently rely on you to be available, you're not skilled. I mean, me being available for this podcast tonight was a challenge. I was about 20 minutes late. There's some <laughs> Kyrie Irving behavior. I'm sorry, guys. I only gave you road games on this podcast. <laughs> I'm so skilled with these hot <laughs> maybe it's worth it. Definitely is. You know, it's such an interesting dichotomy now with KD. And I think what is so different about this offseason is you see more of the drama with the front office. I mean, you saw in Golden State some drama, certainly with like Draymond on the court uh, that was widely publicized eventually um, and, and in the moment. But there's never been a doubt in mind, like when KD is on the floor, like you said, ultimate Hooper, always giving his all. I mean, a lot of respect for him for going out there and tore his Achilles in the NBA finals, as, as we all know in here. So it's just such a strange dichotomy, I think, to see things now, um, you know, not being rosy with management or however you want to put it. Is it, is it possible that, you know, we're we're not giving KD a fair shake as as the media or however you want to label it in that, you know, we're we're not in on all those conversations that are going on behind closed doors. We're definitely not in those conversations. So, you know, and maybe that's part of the problem, too, is that Kevin's not in those conversations either. I don't mm. know if that's part of it. I don't know if there's a movement to average Kleiman be the GM and president of the team. 
mm. instead of Sean Marks. I don't know if if him and Kyrie, I never really understood the the history of their friendship and their connection. Yes, Team USA and being great players and such, but they seem to almost be like too too close. And you're like, well, where does that come from? And so I don't know what the relationship is with Kyrie and, and what his thoughts are on him missing last year the way he did and all that stuff. So there's a lot. There's a lot in play there. And, and um, you know, hopefully you can quiet it all down and just be healthy and play basketball. I, I really do feel like we've been deprived as fans because we were teased the greatest show on, you know, on wood and just all this stuff with these guys. And we just haven't seen it really. Um, so it's almost this what if that will hang over them. But I, I just want to I want to see him healthy playing basketball. Give me 70 Kevin Durant games this year and I'll be a happy hooper. Are you optimistic about Ben Simmons on this team yeah. at all? Or like, yeah. I mean, I've been to ultimate. I was but... never trust a man with a nice out kangaroo, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> he seems to be like the opposite of Kevin Durant. What's yeah. the opposite of the ultimate hooper? I mean, true. somebody who just happens to play basketball because he's good at it. It's almost like a, a nuisance on his life of living it up. I mean, you know, this is a real this is a real moment for him as a as a pro athlete to silence dudes like me, to silence all the people in Philly, to go out there and help Kevin Durant get back on top of the mountain. Like you got a real responsibility here on this team. And you know, to come out in game three dressed like you're landing planes at JFK and then we don't <laughs> see you for game four. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? So the lack of self-awareness for a lot of these guys is 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 unfortunate. But I, I, again, just want to see him back out there playing. Our favorite players don't play. He's, it's like, I don't get it. It's become this new thing in the NBA where the idea of someone is almost better than the actual product. Who's had a better NBA career, RJ or Zion? It's not even close. It's RJ Barrett. Yes, Zion has been better in the times that he's played. He doesn't play. It's true. It's a whole year. Like Ben Simmons, you yeah. miss a whole year. That, that's such a, a, a part of this. Jokic plays every game. Shouts mm-hmm. out to him, you know, shouts out to, to Giannis, these dudes who are healthy every year and don't, and, and are available and are not in nonsense and, and just always something. You know, I'm watching Nick Kyrgios with my parents upstairs and this guy's got the eye drops. He changes shorts. He, you know, uh, falls down. He's yelling at the uh, uh, official. It's like Ben Simmons, the mental health, the back, the visit. Just play. Just play basketball. It's all we care about. You don't want to play? Okay, fine. Don't play. We'll move on to the next guy. Yep. 100% agree. Uh, another big topic over the offseason and, of course, during the playoffs, of course, Draymond had his podcast go down. We had this whole conversation. I've heard it on several different podcasts talking about this element of new media <laughs> and what are the pros and cons uh, of that. And I just want to get your take as someone in the media, I, I mean, this gives us more content to work with in, in many ways. So I think that's an obvious pro, um, but are, are there certain cons with this as well? What's kind of your thoughts on, you know, it's it's been a long time that players and former players uh, more specifically have been involved in the media now and, and are well entrenched in it, but how do you see this evolving and what are the pros and cons with it? I mean, look, you're talking to a guy who feels like he's new on the old media scene and the old guy on the new media scene. So I'm <laughs> kind of like right in the middle and all this stuff. Um, there is an ecosystem that exists, regardless of members of the media, fans or players want to acknowledge it or not. 
but the players play the games, the media covers the games, and the fans emotionally connect to these games. And that emotional connection then fuels the players financially to go out there and continue to play. Kyrie Irving, I, I love watching him play basketball. He seems like a really smart, good dude. I don't like you cursing, like giving the finger to the fans. Because yeah. like we we like pay to keep this thing going. Like there's no $40 million a year, like unless we're part of this. Now, that doesn't give us the right to say things. That doesn't give us the right to, to be offensive, to be any of those things. I understand that. But there is an ecosystem at play here. And sometimes I feel like Draymond doesn't appreciate or understand that without media coverage, without fan interest, no one gets paid to do this. And that doesn't mean that we get to be disrespectful, but that means that we can say that, hey, I, I think this team's better than that team, or I'm hoping this team wins, or I like watching this player. I don't like watching that player. That does give us the right to voice those opinions. And I don't want to live in a world where we only have J.J. Redick and Draymond Green talking about basketball. I'm sorry. I'm just not interested in that. It's not it's not appealing to me. I love their perspective. I love their take on the game. But they shouldn't be the only ones who are given the right to talk about it. I think that's absurd. I think there's so many great – Jackie McMullen. Tell me she can't talk about the state of the Boston Celtics. Like yeah. Draymond's going to have his perspective. He just played against them. Obviously, I'm going to appreciate that firsthand perspective. But don't I want some historical context? Don't I want some perspective from the, from outside the trenches? I can't go to Jackie McMullen for that. So I, I like this idea of players getting a seat at the table with media that they own and control. We've always had former players coming on games and broadcasts and giving their two cents, but not on media that they own and control and distribute. So it's a different energy. It's a little combative right now. Mm. But let's like tone it down. And let's get to a place where we can all have fun, joyful conversations about the game we love, like the three of us are doing tonight on a Sunday night. We don't do this on a Sunday night because it's buying us a house with a pool. You do it because you <laughs> love it. You're connecting with friends around the world right. who love basketball. And it's like if, if this like enthusiasm for the game gets silenced and marginalized, then guess what? Nobody gets paid to play. Well, so, so to that point, do you see fans, which direction do you see them going in terms of the media that they're going to consume? Um, do you think both can coexist in terms of a Draymond doing his podcast or the Pivot podcast or a lot of the players taking control of that narrative along with your traditional ESPNs or just your columnists at your local paper? Or do you think it's just going to become a day where one's going to overtake the other? Or do you think it's just a trend with a lot of these players just jumping on the podcast bandwagon in a year from now, two years from now? You know, they're not good. They'll move on to something else like TikTok dances or something. Like, Listen, as you guys know well, uh, it takes a lot of work to do a podcast. It's not yeah. just turn the thing on and talk. There's yeah. a lot of research. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of timing. There's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes into it. And the consistency uh, is key. And after a while, I can imagine a lot of people just kind of lose interest and they go and try something else. But now there will always be players with podcasts. Now, you know, we see, I'd say the most prominent ones are, are what, Draymond, JJ, Duncan Robinson. Yeah. And, you know, and now Patrick Beverly is going to be doing one for Barstool this season. Those seem to be the more, most high profile of the current players. Uh, but then, and then CJ McCollin, of course. But then, then you have the retired guys like, you know, Q and D and, and, and Matt and, and Steven Jackson. So I think you're going to have you're going to have to have more traditional media return to being fans 
that's something that really disappointed me when I got in this business was how many of the top, top analysts, journalists, media members, whatever you want to call them, broadcasters, they're just not fans anymore. They're jaded. They're tired. They're, they got other responsibilities. They are, they're over it. That enthusiasm, that fandom, I think has to come out more in the media in order for these players to not be so angry and have so much vitriol directed towards media. Um, you know, I, I think fans now are becoming more media. Like you guys right now, are we on a media platform right now? Or are we just three fans talking about the game? That's becoming a little blurred, which I think is okay. Sadly, no matter how hard we try, we will not get the experience of being players. Players have the only are the only ones who get to be all three, right? But I think it's important for media to be both. And I think it's important for fans who want to get out there and have their voices heard on these different platforms to kind of have an understanding of what media does and, 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 and also understanding and appreciation for the game of life for these players, man. Like you, you tell me you hear Quentin Richardson's story about being 12 years old and losing his mother to breast cancer and his brother in an armed robbery. And then when he's 25, he loses his other brother. Like that's game of life. And you now, when you watch this man play basketball, how do you not root for him or have some understanding of like, there's something bigger than basketball and play here. So I'd like everyone just to take a breath, take a beat, realize we all love the game and there's opportunity for everybody to have their voices heard. Well said. Absolutely. Um, so with that, wanted to also get your thoughts on the start of this upcoming season. Who do you think is going to be quick out of the gates? Let's start with uh, the Eastern Conference. What are you What are you kind of expecting as far as, um, you know, now with the new look Cavs and everything, are, are they going to be in the mix for home court down the line? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Chris Middleton back on the floor in Milwaukee. Yes. I know, I know uh, he's one of those sort of unsung stars and goes about his business, kind of a lunch, lunch pail, hard hat mentality. But you get a multi, multiple-time all-star back on a team that won the championship two years ago. I think Milwaukee is going to be right there out of the gate. Giannis in the MVP talks. They're a top three team in the East the whole season, you know, the whole thing. Um, and, and I'm also looking forward to sticking with that, that the theme of that finals. I'm looking forward to seeing if Chris Paul can still continue to play at this high level. Mm. And if he should go down or not be the same, like what that does to a young Phoenix Suns team that was, you know, two games away from winning a championship. I think, you know, uh, Devin Booker could be that next big star who people are looking at and thinking, okay, where is he going to go? Where is he going to move? If Chris, you know, retires or goes away and they kind of, don't take that next step. Is he going to be a little disgruntled? I'm already recruiting him for the Knicks. But yes, <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Milwaukee and Phoenix do early out of the gate to see if they can get back on top. But just the fact that we're here talking hoops and we got, you know, six weeks of the season, it's exciting. It makes the end of summer uh, a lot easier and a lot fewer Sunday scaries knowing that we have basketball in just a few weeks. So uh, I'm also excited for these young Pistons. I was just out in Detroit, and there's a lot of enthusiasm around that team, Sadiq Bay, and, of course, all the draft picks and Cade Cunningham in year two. So very much looking forward to see what the Pistons can do. Uh, it's not the Palace at Auburn Hills anymore. Is it Little Caesars? I think it's a Little Caesars. I think it is. Yeah, Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. Uh, well, boy, if you could pair, like, any two arenas, it would probably be, like, Little Caesars and Smoothie King, right? A slice of pizza and a smoothie. <laughs> right. I take great pride, great pride in the fact that the team I root for does not need to sell smoothies or pizzas or office supplies or websites. We're simply the world's most famous arena. 
That'd be a dark day in the history <laughs> of the universe if yeah. Madison Square Garden gets a sponsorship. And it's hey, all these Laker fans, all these Laker fans, <laughs> were upset that it's no longer called Staples. <laughs> it's just gone to us Staples in the last twenty years. You could have seen. <laughs> there we go. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of cooler. <laughs> I, I think so. The crypt. You can call it the crypt. <laughs> That's the crypt. Yeah. Yeah. Got some options <laughs> yeah. there. You do for sure. Um, Ben, I want to ask you, um, since you, you're very interested in films and you have a ton of background in that, I've noticed there's been a lot of like basketball documentaries that have come out since the last dance. And I just want to first get your thought on like what, what content has been catching your eye kind of in that genre. And then also what kind of other stories within basketball culture you think would be told? Because it seems like this wide open. We've seen so many different networks pick up all these great basketball documentaries, kind of the sky's the limit. So, so kind of oh, what do you true, think of this just recent boom? Oh, true. Before? Such a watershed moment for yeah. storytelling in sports was the, the success of the last dance. And now it seems like everybody wants to doc. Well, I think also the, um, the access to archival footage is so much greater. You know, John Sally was back at the 1989 slam dunk contest in Houston with a VHS camera. And then now yeah. you see in the 90s with the little, you know, DV cameras. You have so much more footage that you can mine through. Um, and then also, you know, NBA entertainment. When I was working down at Turner, you would sit there in between shows and you say, hey, type in Patrick Ewing into the system. And boom, it's every single piece of footage that they have of Patrick Ewing and all those Christmas day things for the jumbotron. There's just so much stuff now. So that as a documentary filmmaker, that's your, that's like your everything, right? So you can go out there and really mine through and sift through that stuff. So I love seeing that the Lakers story can be 10 hours of Jerry Buss and his rise. And we just saw the scripted version, which was a lot of fun and took a lot of dramatic license. The Hulu doc now, uh, the stuff with Kobe, you know, it's far more, grounded than, than obviously the HBO series. You know, I, I really enjoyed the documentary on ESPN about the 1996 women's basketball team, about Team USA, oh. Lisa Leslie, and, um, you know, all of them back then, Rebecca Lobo is a really cool team, Don Staley down in Atlanta, and I love that documentary. Um, I'm excited, man. I want more of these. I want, I want more Lloyd Daniels stories. I want more Playground Legends that we have. I want the Ray for Alston doc. I want, you right. know, the God's Jam God doc. You know, the, the New York point guard doc, I'm very biased, obviously, as a, you know, oversized New York City point guard at one time myself. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, yeah, now it's like, hey, can, can Detroit get the big guard doc? Can, you know, can we get a Bay Area doc of all That's these true. guys from the town? Can we get a, you know, we've seen the Drew League doc. So it's, it's really cool, man. And, and I hope we, we continue to get these not only from Showtime and from NBA TV, but independently, I mean, there was a film a few years ago called The Other Dream Team. It's about the 1992 bronze medal Olympic winning team, the team in oh, Lithuania wow. with Arvidas Sabonis and Shrunas Marshallonis and all these guys. They wore a Grateful Dead t-shirts you see <laughs> now. Like, that's a great film. It's called The Other Dream Team, independent movie. I'd like to continue to see these basketball stories, uh, these documentaries at least, not done, done only with the league. And, and you know, I don't want to see them done independently. But like, now that I'm thinking about it, a ton of scripted stuff. Yeah, that Kenny Smith thing with Adam Sandler. That's true. Yeah, that movie yeah. from Steven Soderbergh <laughs> a couple of years ago called Bird or something. Birdie, like an agent, you know. So like, mm -hmm. I want to see more stories about the characters around the game. You know, uh, my friend John Ireland, who covers the Lakers for for uh, Los Angeles, he's the voice of the Lakers. You know, his life. I'd love to see a story about an announcer 
you know, a story about a Gary Vitti, a trainer. I want to see just kind of those tangential characters around the game come to life. No, totally, totally agree. Matt, if you have another question. I have um, no further questions. Oh, Do you have anything else it. left? The just defense rests. That's uh, good. <laughs> In my case. <laughs> The Knicks, um, the Knicks are going to shock the world and win a playoff uh, series. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, I, well, on that point, so just before I let you go, so the Knicks, I think it was like their season open. I think it was when right after COVID, and it was on Celtics. ESPN. Yeah, I guess the Celtics. And I just remember seeing the video. You might have seen a bing bong, like it just went all over Twitter. I, I want to ask you if the Knicks, if one day <laughs> they do win the title, are you like afraid of what that city, what's going to happen? Like no, that, just what, seeing that clip, I'm like, they just won one game in a regular season. Like, what, what happens if they win the championship? I just can't imagine. Like, yeah, I, I've what, been what joking, Justin. I've been joking the last 20 years <laughs> and being like, you know, how happy I am to have my May and June free. I would be so stressed <laughs> out as the summer's starting. It's so nice to have my May nights all to myself. Um, you know, I saw my father, who was New York City's biggest Boston Red Sox fan. I saw, I was sitting right next to him when they won the World Series in 2004. And this is a man who's going to say cause of death Boston Red Sox on his tombstone. <laughs> he left my high school graduation early because Pedro was pitching. I remember as a kid going to Yankee Stadium, entire subway cars chanting, Lion sucks, Lion sucks. Because <laughs> they'd see my dad wearing his Red Sox hat and he was on oh. TV at the time, right? So this is a man who's obsessed with the Red Sox. Our folks have a house on, in, in Eastern Long Island because he could get the radio games over Long Island Sound in the 80s, right? That's why they bought a home there. Like, this is crazy wow. stuff. When they won that World Series after 86 years, he wasn't screaming. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't like the Philadelphia Eagles fan who was eating horse manure on the side of the road when they won the Super Bowl. Oh, Google gosh. that. <laughs> yeah. Horse manure, right? He just, oh. And you could see the monkey. You could see the ghost just, just fall off his back and just the weight of the world on his shoulders. I think that's what's going to happen for New York. Sure, it'll be a fun night. I don't think we're going to be tipping over cars and burning stuff down. That's not New York. I think everyone is just going to be so relieved and exhausted that it'll just be one big, oh, like the end of a yoga class when you do that big ohm and you just push it all out. Like that's what I want for New York. Namaste. No, that makes sense. I mean, my dad's from Boston and when the Red Sox won the World Series, that was, he cried, but it was just more of a, uh, Thank goodness it's over. <laughs> he was like, I gotta go flip a car. He was nah. like, Thank yeah. God, this yeah. nightmare of my life is over. Yes, yeah. like that is yeah, the same energy the Knicks are on right now. It's been 40 mm. something years, guys. I'm 40. We go another 40. We're playing house money at that point. I hope I can shoot my age at the golf course when I get older, and I hope I get one Knicks title. That's all I want. <laughs> I appreciate you, Ben, coming on to the show. Please let our viewers and listeners know um, where they can find you on social media and then any other projects you're working on uh, for the upcoming year as well. Man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Apologies for, for being a little fly guy late. I, I owe you one on that one. But uh, no, man, you know, you can find me at the Garden. I am Ben Lyons. I'm around doing stuff. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to this season, man. And I'm excited for these WNBA playoffs to finish up too, guys. We got 2-1 series, and uh, hopefully we get – you know, the Seattle team to come back and, and see Sue Bird in the final. We get a Sue Bird, Candace Parker final. It'd be amazing. But even if we get if we get Las Vegas and Chicago, it's gonna be a good one. Asia Wilson and Candace Parker in yeah, the final. Sure. I'm very excited for that too. And, and hope uh 
Yeah, hope hope to hope the Knicks can just be competitive this year. I don't want to come on your show in March and you're like, so uh, they fired everyone and traded everyone. <laughs> Mike Lee got arrested. Like, how, how's your year going? Oh, RJ Barrett like went to space. Like, thanks. <laughs> uh, it never ends. It never ends. I appreciate it, Ben. Thank you so much. Well, lots of luck this year. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Ben. Of